Welcome to the New Masculine Podcast. This is a place where masculine identifying people come together in community to disrupt outdated models of masculinity and together construct new models for our way forward as men. As a special note, while this conversation is between men, this podcast values all beings and seeks to create positive impacts for all. I'm your host, Travis Stock. I am a master life coach, an equus coach, which means I often partner with horses when supporting clients, and I'm a teacher. In my coaching work, I am passionate about the balance of masculine and feminine energies in each of us, regardless of gender. I seek to help others nurture a relationship with both types of energy, which often leads to a greater sense of wholeness. And yet what I found in my work with men is that many of us have been taught messages about what it means to be a man by first teaching us to avoid anything that is associated with the feminine. That avoidance leads to few experiences of intimacy, emotions outside of anger, vulnerability, or even a sense of belonging. Striving to comply with these models of masculinity has many of us feeling isolated, ashamed, unworthy, afraid, angry, and depressed. That's why I started this podcast, to bring men together who are ready for something new, something more whole. Prior to starting The New Masculine, I only knew of a few men's work communities out there, but finding new and interesting men's work to share with you all, specifically ones that align with the values of The New Masculine community, quickly became one of my favorite activities. And today, we get to talk to the founder of Embodied Masculine, a global community and movement dedicated to training, supporting, and empowering men to live purpose-driven lives. Amir Kaligi is a men's coach, speaker, teacher, husband, and father of four daughters who has 29 years of experience working with men. A core belief that guides his work is that the proper expression, evolution, and embodiment of the natural masculine energies has been unsupported, suppressed, and stifled in modern culture. It has created men who have become disconnected from themselves, their counterparts, and nature. Amir was gracious enough to invite me to experience one of his weekly men's circles a couple weeks prior to recording this, so I have some first-hand knowledge of his excellence of his work to share with you all. More on that later. Other identities that are important to him are leader, father, and lover. So let's welcome Amir into the new masculine. Thanks for joining me, Amir. It's my pleasure, Travis. Thanks so much for the invitation. Yeah, of course. Especially after getting to experience your work, I'm even more excited that we get to bring some of that like personalized experience into our conversation today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to to this exchange. Yeah. Is there anything else that I didn't mention um, about you in that intro that feels important that people should know before we jump in? No, I think I think it pretty much covered um, uh, my work in the world. And obviously, we can go deeper into that at some point. Yeah. And we will definitely talk about the work in the world because I think that's kind of the center point of this. But I also really like to make sure that we know about you as a man. What was your journey like getting to where you are? How did you get here? So mm-hmm. where I like to start often is to talk with people about like, what are those memories or stories that come to mind when you think about growing up as a boy into manhood about like what you were learning? What were your initiations? What were your stories? Who were your mentors? Any of those things that come to mind when thinking about your sort of evolution from boyhood into manhood? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, and thank you for that invitation. I um uh looking back i would say my first primal initiation was the absence of my father in my life so there was a the first cut i can feel into my and my in my body where uh we'll call it a primal cut uh, was this absent father so uh 
my journey into self-discovery and understanding what it means to be a masculine uh, man in this world really started off through the prism of and prism and the perspective of my mother, the feminine. And um, my journey with her was a challenging one. Her second marriage was uh, abusive. And um, so I, I really got to see the toxicity around uh, the masculine and really left an imprint on me. By the age of 16, um, I couldn't really tolerate that environment. And I decided to move out mm. and live on my own. I didn't have the wherewithal to hold her pain, to address his toxicity. Um, I didn't have the depth, the grounding, or the strength to confront the situation. And I chose to just leave in high school and, and live on my own. So I really um, hit the streets. Um, and really, the streets became kind of my understanding of what the world was. And that's not really a great place to foster um, healthy uh, <laughs> masculinity in any way. So yeah. um, from the age of 16 till about 22, um, the second initiation of cutting the cord between my mother and I was this very destructive one. It included just copious amounts of drugs, uh, harming others, harming myself. And uh, it was it was a self-initiation. And we can certainly talk at some point if you're interested about what a healthy initiation for the masculine looks mm -hmm. like and also why initiation exists. Um, so by the time I was 22, I, I pretty much had just burned the village behind me. I had I had really brought my life to a halt uh, with the abuse of drugs and alcohol. And that set me on a path of recovery in that realm. And um, it also started me really taking a look at what healthy masculinity maybe looked like. And the way I naturally migrated towards men um, from that point on, whether it was in men's groups or in that recovery program, um, I started to draw myself closer to men that seemed to have a sense of self that was tethered to something deep within themselves. Um, they, they weren't just speaking words to please others. They were deep listeners. I remember the first man that really came in my life to support me. I met him at a Chili's in Northridge. I was 23 years old and his daughter worked there. And I was a mess. I was, my brain was overactive. I couldn't sit still. I was fidgety. My, I hadn't slept. I was just an absolute mess meeting this guy for some help. And here he was, he almost had this glow about him, this, uh, this groundedness of self. And his daughter uh, was the, our waitress and the way that they related to each other, the way that he listened to her, the way that he smiled to her with her or, uh, really had an essence to it that I did not have in my life. And I really wanted that. I wanted what he had. And so I started to hang around men that really made me feel safe 
to explore what it means to be a man. And so I started to piecemeal this understanding for myself. And I, um, I supported men in the realm of recovery and martial arts and private coaching from the time I was 23. I'm 52 now. So from the time I was 23 till 2018, and so, so basically, my support of men was something that brought me joy that I did on the side. I had a different vocation that paid for everything, and then I did mm. this on the side for free. I just that was part of some. It was a healing agent, and and my own process of uh, of healing around uh, my relationship to the masculine. And it sounds like something that's quite aligned with many like recovery communities where you're in acts of service and, and supporting others and mentoring others beyond your own journey as a way of continuing to integrate your own learning and healing. Absolutely. It's just, a, you know, you become you become an open vessel where, you know, where once you were clogged and suffering and now, you know, you get to share, you know, life is moving through you, right? Mm-hmm. And um, in 2018, uh, by 2017, I my spiritual life in that community was shrinking. So I really had to come to terms with stepping out of that community. I started to get a call to to to, to work with plant medicines, and it was a really um, uh, it was a big jump into the unknown. Mm-hmm. But I knew that my spiritual life was not as impactful as it was meant to be in my heart and so i left that community and um after an ex- after i was invited to actually teach uh, at a retreat for a friend of mine um john wineland who had a, a retreat in uh panaman valley end of 2018 i was invited to teach and also participate and in the participation, I actually had some really big somatic releases where the vision of the second act of my life started to come into focus. Mm. And um, I, I was also a professional actor at that time. Um, I came back from that experience. I uh, called my agent. I, I I closed the door on that and um slowly burst uh, embodied masculine. And I started to really hone in on uh, my calling and what I'm here to do before I'm done here. <laughs> I, I wanted to step into that version of myself because I saw it. I mm-hmm. saw I, there was a couple of practices that really brought the clarity of, of the landscape and my path forward. And uh, in 2000, end of 2018, I, I, I birthed uh, embodied masculine and uh, subsequently a year after I, I left all the other the other business I had and and by 2019 end of 2019 full-time I was offering uh, services to men from circles to workshops to retreats to initiation programs facilitator training programs and I just haven't looked back since uh, congratulations on that well I mean you put in the work for many times free and free of charge and from your soul for a long time. And congratulations though, on the quick, like turnaround and the success as a, someone that trains coaches and a coach training and stuff, it, it can take a while to build a brand and to get yourself some momentum underneath you. So that's a, it's a big deal. Um, couple things I want to pull you out on that. Like I, I'm just so inspired by that 
um, the part of your life that is like you have the opposite of healthy masculine figures. You either they're either absent or they're not or they're toxic in some way um, to you growing up as a child. Then you join the street. Then you're on the streets. And you are learning from others who are maybe not who have not had the same have had healthy masculine role models in their lives. And you sought it out for yourself that you started to go out and find that. And I think so many guys out there find it to be a hard battle to find healthy masculine role models to they're looking for them, they don't know where to find them, they don't know where they are. And yet, you were on a mission and and your recovery supported that part of it that you were able to find those and to piecemeal together okay, if I didn't really get to see in that sort of in the nature nurture debate, the nurturing part, I didn't get the nurture part of the healthy masculine, but I can go find that out there. It's really inspiring to hear someone talk about that. And it's such a young age too, like in your early twenties. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't really have, I wasn't cognizant of what I was doing, but totally. really what I, what I was, what I was doing is I was engaging in the healing process of my relationship to the masculine. So my first primal cut being from the masculine. Mm-hmm. Father is not present. I can't lean on somebody. I'm actually holding the container as a child, which I'm not supposed to be doing. Right. I'm not supposed to be holding such energies at, at a young age, taking responsibility for the well-being of my mother at the age of 10. Mm-hmm. Too much. It's mm-hmm. not what it's not what boys are meant to do. So the muscle of being able to release and relax into an energetic body of a masculine figure that doesn't want anything in return, but my, my well-being was risky, mm-hmm. you know, and therein lies the healing process where I really believe the universe gives us opportunities for that healing by bringing certain people into our lives. And then it becomes our work on, learning how to let go into another man's container. And it is a lost art. It is a lost nutrient missing from our society because whether that connection is either sexualized or somehow uh, made fun of or like it's become taboo. Yes. Right. And it's such an incredible, powerful nutrient to be able to be seen, be witnessed in your pain, to let go, to reveal yourself to another man that doesn't want anything but your healing and your growth. And our community provides that. Mm. Our community provides that through its culture, through the practices that we bring, right? And so it fosters an opportunity for men to begin to explore that chasm and that wound um, in safe spaces. Mm -hmm. And not everybody comes in with a father wound. Some come in with a mother wound. So, (laughs) right. And some men, you know, um, come in with a deep disconnection to their own feminine. Uh, mm-hmm. aspects of, of self. So they're going to have a more challenging time in expressing themselves in opening themselves. So in our community, we explore both modalities. And if you know, this is starting to lead us into the new paradigm of masculinity, but it is understanding how far the bandwidth goes 
you know, if this is a continuum and on the far, far left is deep feminine practice and the far right is deep masculine practice, we get to explore all the energetics that move through, through, through the masculine container and also uh, give ourselves the opportunity to meet ourselves in areas of expression, full expression of, let's say, feminine energies that were shamed as we as mm-hmm. we grew up. So now we're confronting ourselves in a safe container for that expression to become alive again. Yeah. I'm so glad that that, I mean, that's why sort of in the intro, I was talking about how uh, men's work communities that align with the values of the new masculine. So much of the work that I'm trying to put out there is the recognition that we much of our socialization as boys is to tell us to reject the feminine, to suppress the feminine, to reject that part of ourselves. And the reclamation of that is part of what creates wholeness. It's not subtractive and going to make us less manly or less, less valuable as men. It's an additive thing that we have more flexibility and more ability to move and to show up and meet the moment and meet the moment what's asking of us rather than habituated sort of blunt force tools that we try to force reality to be something that it's not. So I'm that that was one of the things that I wanted to call out, especially as a, as a queer person in the world myself, that that many men's work communities still aren't really doing the work around that integration of the feminine. And that that feels to many kinds of men like, oh, this isn't a place for me. I either have to be this alpha that never addresses the feminine side of it, or I'm going to be this weak little beta that's crying all the time. And yet that's not what it's about. It's about a full spectrum of a whole human being rather than this like compartmentalized little um disconnected uninitiated being who is wreaking havoc on themselves and on their lives (laughs) right i mean what happens to energies that are that are unexpressed Mm. they will get expressed Mm -hmm. in in shadow states yeah yeah and that's when you start to have havoc start to come into your field right yeah yeah so um this new paradigm of masculinity um, is the awareness that first and foremost, this lives within all of us, the spectrum of deep access to feminine energy and deep access to masculine consciousness or energy. And we can talk about what even that means or what it is if you want to go down that. Uh, in its simplest terms, there are certain archetypal energies that run through the masculine. Uh, there are certain archetypal energies that run through the feminine. Um uh, masculine essence in and of itself is mostly related to uh, consciousness beyond the body. Uh, it is uh, the it is the container that holds life force energy that is being expressed through it. It is um, the dance between Shiva and Shakti, and when these two begin to dance together and touch, a third thing is created which is life, Mm. (laughs) the creation of life. And that is as much within as it is without. So in our work, we go in to explore that, to explore that uh, dual divinity within. So in certain masculine practices, we are strengthening the container. We are giving uh, men the capacity to hold larger and larger amounts of energy without collapsing or without projecting their shit. Most problems arise because men are not able to hold their own emotional 
bodies or pains. And what they'll do in turn is project that pain onto somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, And we are, we are training men to be able to be with deepen their capacity, work with the alchemization of that energy that runs through them. If need be with presence and an open heart, Mm. masculine practices provide that feminine embodiment practices are all about expression, all about immersion, all about tapping into divinity through the expression of love as it moves through the body, love and light as it moves through the body. And the, the deeper experiences that we have in practice, the better we get to know ourselves and, and learn how to move up and down these scales, right? So we are complex beings. We don't have just one expression. We have a physical body. We have an emotional body. We have a sexual body. We have a cosmic body. And we sit, we rest in different areas of our lives on these scales. So in my physical body, for example, if you know me for some time, I wear the same clothes all the time. (laughs) I really do. I wear white shirts or black shirts and a, a few pants. I'll wear the same thing for like three, four days. And then I'm like, whoa, okay, I need to go change. <laughs> so, so that's more of a masculine physical body. If I was more on the feminine, I would be more curious about the, ador- the adoration of myself. So I would be changing and I would be working with it. One is not better than the other. Let's just be super clear about that. I have to be clear about it because there's our culture says one is better than the other. Yes, yes. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Thank now you my, for that caveat. <laughs> absolutely. Now here, so in my emotional body, I am way far left feminine. My emotional body is feminine. So when something hits me, it hits me. Like my sensitivity is super heightened. Yeah, so, me too. And, and that's a blessing and sometimes a, sometimes a curse. Why is uh-huh. it a curse, right? Why is it a curse? It's a curse when you don't have a container that can hold your own feminine emotional body. What do we do when we can't hold our own feminine emotional body? We spill it onto everybody else, right? But there's incredible benefits too. I can be in a room and immediately pick up Like who needs, like if I'm working a space, I know exactly my intuition is so fine tuned on where to go, who needs support, who needs a little bit of grounding. Like I can work that space. That's a benefit. So if somebody has a masculine emotional body, they have deeper layers to go through to be able to pick up that sensitivity. But on the other side, when something comes in, you can brush it off a little bit easier, Uh right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So for the sexual body, some some men love to claim, love to take, love to give, love to move forward, masculine. Some men prefer to receive, to let go into, to surrender. Nothing's wrong with either of these. It's just a it's just a natural preference, and you settle on this line somewhere. Now, all that means is if you're with a partner that's incredibly feminine and you're in the middle 
and you want polarity, well, you're going to have to learn how to move up the scale to create that polarity. That's really the only piece I value in the polarity work, by the way. Thank you. Because because I get really, I get stuck in this as a person in a same-sex relationship and people always trying to navigate who's the man and who's the woman in the relationship. There's this like inherent sort of like shame element that's brought into the polarity stuff and you need to be this for your partner. And it's like, what about being what I, being what I need for myself? What about being the container for myself? Why am, why do I need to constantly be showing up as something that I may not want to just as a way of balancing my partner? So I, I appreciate that there is some, some truths and some some parts that you honor within that polarity conversation, but I, I too struggle with some of it as well. Well, I think one of the things that, you know, the polarity work does a disservice of, it, it gives the impression that you need to be in a certain pole all the time. Yes. yes. <laughs> that it's absolutely insane. Uh-huh. The only time I need to be polarized with my with my wife is when when I when we're gonna make love. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right. So um, other than that, if she's more, um, if she's if naturally just more, she's a Virgo, so she's just naturally more organized around <laughs> like lists and organization. So she runs certain aspects of the house and she's leading. Mm. That's her, she's leading. And I think, you know, when I first was introduced to polarity principles through David Data's work, um, I would feel emasculated. Yeah, because sure. I'm not leading in everything. Well, you know what? I, I've been with three women in over thirty years. Okay, so I know about long term relationships, mm. and that's just unsustainable. It's unrealistic. So this this knowing yourself and knowing how to move up and down the scales whether it's in, in whatever form, right? Right. So for me, it's a little bit more of a struggle to get myself dressed for something nice. I've been like, fuck, <laughs> like, how do I do this? Uh-huh. Like somebody like, just like help me. Uh-huh. Um, so then we have, so that there's the sexual body, right? So then there's this cosmic body. So how do you feel the connection to that divine essence within yourself? Is it through stillness, meditation, emptiness or even the desire of death which is like oh masculine is it through movement expression life moving through you whether it be ecstatic dance or 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 uh, any kind of movement feminine so we're just becoming aware of these different bodies where our resting places on these different bodies and learning how to move up and down the scale and, and really like starting to look at the internalized misogyny that we, that we have drank the Kool-Aid of, whether it's men or women and, and starting to dismantle that. Claps for that. Claps for that. I am so into that recognizing where we have drank the Kool-Aid of the misogyny that our culture teaches us because it it limits us. It puts us in uh, fragmented little boxes where we can't be full expressions of ourselves. And I, I really love that terminology of those, like you said, sort of the resting spots that you have within those. I do similar kind of work around like 
where, and I've always called it kind of a sweet spot. Where do you sit on that continuum? And where's your sweet spot? I'm a man who tends to sit a little on the feminine side um, in my emotional body. And well, not a little bit, a lot. I'm much like you. I'm very sensitive. It helps me in my work that I do. It helps me be attuned and sensitive to the people, but it can also get the best of me. It's where my work often is. It can often come out a little too far into the feminine and become that sort of profane, uh, codependent, demeshed part of the the feminine. Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. so that it's like where my strength and the light and the shadow, the double-edged sword is. And so, Mm -hmm. but so much of my life, it was really scary to claim that I was uh, to the feminine side of my emotional body because of the misogyny that was taught to me, because of the homophobia that was taught to me um, by our broader culture. And so I'm, I, I just love that you pointed that out because that framework keeps us stuck in fragmented, limited parts of ourselves. And when we let ourselves fully explore the different polarities of it, then we get to find where our resting points are. We get to have more freedom of movement. We get a more full expression of ourselves as humans, as beings that doesn't have to be limited by the gender or the body that we were put into. Yeah. And also you're, you're now starting to, um, uh, there's, you know, there's a couple of, uh, so in the masculine, you know, four archetypes have, mm-hmm kind of been brought to the forefront by two Jungian psychologists and um, Gillette and more. They wrote a book called King Warrior, Magician Lover, which many Mm -hmm. groups use. We've talked about it on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So um, this, this aspect of the new, like this new masculinity that is beginning to emerge is is more in touch with both of these poles within himself and as a result is becoming more and more in tuned to his inner landscape which is the direct connection to we'll call it the heavens or the divine or the mystic right so so he's not simply operating only, you know, on this physical realm. There's another part of him that is starting to tune into something greater than himself, right? And their premise is, look, energies that are in alignment to something greater than oneself is really directing, is pointing to the fact that you are coming online and understanding your dharma. So uninitiated men think life is about them. That's why that's why they're taking at adolescence. Like it's the height of it's about me. Uh-huh. For sure. Developmentally, right? that's appropriate stage. It's the individuation, it's the claiming of self. Yeah, for sure. And once they're initiated and they go through this ordeal and they're brought to this fold where other men have a deeper understanding that no, we have a place in something greater. Now, whether that greater is your tribe or your community, you begin to understand that life is not only about you. And the pursuit of answering your call to something greater starts to come online. So these energies, these masculine energies that have been identified as the lover, as the uh, magician, and we can go into these and explore what they are if you want, or the warrior, These expressions, once they are in alignment with your calling or your dharma or the way, they 
will, and they are fully expressed, they will naturally give rise to the king archetype. The king archetype is responsible for his kingdom. Now, that kingdom could be your relationship. It could be a family. It could be your men's group. It could be your community, your organization. But he's no longer making decisions based on self. He's making decisions with one foot in, on, on this plane, one foot in the heavens, and his decision-making is for the greater good of his kingdom, which is a circular expression. It's not the tribalism. It's not the tribal, I'll take what I want, fuck you, right? It's not the king in his shadow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? it's not much of the leadership that we're seeing out there in our current world. <laughs> I, I, it, it's absolutely not, right? Uh -huh. So how do you identify a king in his shadow? Well, one pole of his shadow is the tyrant. And mm. we can see most governments ruling with the fist, mm -hmm. right? Even if they're dangling some bullshit carrot in front of you to uh, entertain you while they, they take what they want, right? So there was a time when... Um, Man was more in balance with himself and his feminine counterparts and the natural world, right? And then enter patriarchy and tribalism and rules and laws and intermediaries and separating man from spirit. And capitalism. Capitalism, <laughs> right? It, it's all about separation, yeah. individuation, mm -hmm. right? And... It's, it's this, it's, it becomes, it, that's, that now we're talking about the birth of that toxicity that bleeds and hurts the people around it for the gain of self. You know, I'm not religious in any means. Actually, I think religion has done more harm than good. That's just my own personal opinion. Yeah, we I'll could probably, probably get some pushback. We could probably put religion in one of those categories of the things that comes in and pushes things because there's so much shame and control in many of modern religions at this point. Or demonizing women. Uh-huh. Misogyny. Demonizing yeah. misogyny, right? But there is one statement that I really like. He's, you know, he's he's on the cross. I look, I, whether, I, I don't, just, he says, forgive them for they not know what they do. This is the sense that there's unconsciousness that needs to be addressed within ourselves. That's, that's the work of each man. Where are you maneuvering in life unconsciously? So what do we do? We have kind of deeper containers for such exploration. Mm. Yeah, and, and your men's circles and your men's community is one of those circles. And I think one of the things that, at least for me, and I, when I talk to other men, you mentioned earlier, there's this piece around the risk of of being in another man's container being held by another man because of our what our culture messaging is and i think a lot of men feel that way they they crave intimacy with other men they crave to be supported in new models and yet they feel unsafe with we feel unsafe with each other where there's a lot of power dynamics there's a lot of winning there's a lot of alpha beta there's a lot of disconnection and so I know for me, it feels like a risk as a, as a gay man coming into a men's group and to be held by an immense community that my sexuality might be shamed. My, what are people going to think? What are they going to uh, interpret my showing up in there as? And so I love to, that to demystify that risk 
because I think we all feel it. I know I felt it going into your men's group, but not because of what you do, you've done, but because of what our culture has taught me. Yeah. And then the experience of getting into it taught me something completely different. And and while it was a risk for me, it paid off really, really significantly. So let's talk a little bit more about your men's work community or circles and stuff so that we can demystify some of that risk and, and help point men towards the benefits that come from taking that risk, from crossing over that fear threshold into something that might initiate them. What can what can guys expect from the men's work that you do? Well, the safety of the container is paramount for me. So, um, you know, from the time somebody signs up to, to the preparation email they get, a video about triggers, uh, how to deal with triggers if they fall into a trigger, if they can't get out of it. Like there's the container is is thought through and the culture, the culture of our community is incredibly inviting. So and 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 I understand that each man comes in with varying degrees of resistance and trust. And some some are too confronted by the by themselves and they can't they're not ready but the work is really now yours when i say yours it's the person coming into the space right the structure is what it is the culture is there to, to be like gay bye like we we don't man is man like come on mm-hmm. come everybody come everybody come so that that you know what, the, the noise of society does not exist in our community. Mm-hmm. We almost create, we almost create like a, a, you know, a, a bubble, like, a, and I'll give you this. And, and it's not a, it's not a protectionism bubble. It is simply a space where that noise is not allowed to come in. The noise of the debate of left and right, the Democrat mm-hmm. and the Republican, the Vax and the Novax, like that does not come into our space. And when, when, when our society was so polarized going through the pandemic and such, and people wanted to like get into that conversation, I wouldn't allow it. Mm. Because both, both sides need a reprieve. Both yeah, sides absolutely. need a place to go and uh-huh. put their arms down and just feel that connection, mm-hmm. right? So... I believe like the culture is created from the top down and the trainings and, and the way that, you know, if somebody, you know, like, for example, when we move into the circle share portion of our sharing every, before we start, I lay it out. Now, most of the men unknow this, but there's always new men and it's important for them to know. No one's going to tell you what to do. No one's going to cross talk back to you. Um, You can, you know, the recording is off. What you're sharing here stays here. We don't share it with other people. Um, so re- repeating our kind of the mantra of our community creates the safety. Then it becomes up to each individual on meeting themselves along the path of that resistance to mm-hmm. open up. Yeah. Right. And we can't yell at a flower to grow any faster. So, <laughs> right. So all we do is provide the environment that is optimum for growth. Mm-hmm. The growth, the beauty of growth is you're not responsible for growth. You're responsible to put yourself in the right environment for optimum growth. Mm. 
Yeah, it sort of makes me reflect back on your story growing up of sort of like the streets wasn't necessarily the it, it grew you in some ways, but it wasn't growing you in the ways that would sustain you long term. And then recovery sustained you and being a part of those communities um, grew you in new ways. And then you found a moment where you needed to step out of that community and grow even more like we we continuously evolve and grow and find new identities and communities and cultures that bring forward parts of ourselves that we're looking to develop. And I, I very much agree that what I felt once I got in there was the safety of the container, as you said, like, in moments where we're sharing the recordings off, and we get to have space to just be who we are. There's not a lot of talk, advice giving or talking to people from from the from the others that are there. Something that was really interesting to me that I should have known this going into your your literal company is called Embodied Masculine. But so much of the work during those men's circles is embodiment practices, whether they're physical movement, whether they're breath work exercises, whether they are sitting, I, sitting in silence with each other. They are different ways of embodying self. Why is embodiment the sort of go-to place for you when doing men's work versus other kinds of things like talk coaching or mental work or um, like why is embodiment so important to you and your community? Well, I, I believe there's intrinsic wisdom mm. in the body. I yeah. also believe that the body is the direct connection to the divine. Mm. I also believe that one of the uh, greatest um uh, lies <laughs> given by religion to man and woman was the fact that they need to ascend out of the body to connect yeah. to the divine. Yeah. How, how, how convenient. Um, we ascend out of the body to connect to the divine. By the way, I'm the intermediary that can um, um, decode what the divine is saying. Mm -hmm. So you got to go through me. And by the way, can I have 20% of your wages? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> right? so I, uh, I, I, once I became aware of the fact that my connection to the natural world is my, is, is a birthright. And that connection, um, really like is tangible mm. and it's through the body it is through the senses so we work with five instruments when we go exploring into the body we use visualization we use breath we use sound we use movement and we use our attention in exploring this inner body the more i went into the body the deeper my connection to the divine became for me that's why a lot of my work um centers around the body so um somatics shamanic um these are the types of practices that i bring that take men deep into their selves allowing the mind to take a respite while they explore through symbolism through visualization and reconnect to pieces of themselves that they have abandoned or let go of or neglected uh, whether it is learning how to work with uh, stagnant energies within one's own body or an emotional cycle that is incomplete within the body that needs attention, it is all in. So I find empowering men to become more uh, connected 
in working with this inner body, with the energetic body, is the direct pathway to connecting to that heart space where the divine resides, where we can get our direction, where we can hear the calling, where we can be nurtured when things aren't going our, our way, where we can feel like we can rest and receive nourishment. All of this is in the body, mm. right? And this bill of goods that, first of all, there is something to be, there, there, is, there is divinity without as within, mm-hmm. but our society has been hoodwinked to disconnect, to give power to a certain number of people and as a result, we've become batteries for creating their version of life and reality. Well, guess what happens when you start to go inwards? Guess what happens when you start? You start to actually directly connect to this power that intrinsically lives in and through you. Guess what? You don't need an intermediary anymore. Mm-hmm. You don't need to live by their paradigm anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? And you start to live out loud and then you become the calling card. For other people to be like, whoa, yeah. what's going on here, right? Yeah, it's so interesting. It's it's something I've heard and that I fa- fairly agree with. It's like, why do you think we have outlawed like um, uh, psilocybin mushrooms, yes! psychedelics and stuff? It's a plant. How do you outlaw a plant? Because it, it op- it's an entheogenic. <laughs> it opens people up. It gets them back in their power in their bodies. And it's really much harder to control people when you when they have access to that. So and. Uh, and- and when you have like like when you have revelations of healing within two sessions and you don't need their pharmaceutical uh-huh. uh, drugs anymore, well, you can't if the pharmaceuticals could sell psilocybin, they would be they would be taking the they, uh-huh. they'd love to take anything that is worth sacred and fucking turn it into a marketing thing so they can sell as as capitalism capitalism (laughs) right so they just love to extract the spirit Uh out of out of matter yeah they love to whether it's our human beings are extracting our souls or whether it's out of a product so Mm. i'm like fuck that (laughs) fuck that fuck that right so i really appreciate you sharing that because I do another version of embodiment work. My version is to take people out and do experiential learning with horses. And so Mm. I take people out and do what's called equus coaching, but it's a form of coaching that helps people get in their body, helps them be relational with another being out in nature, reconnects them, help. and, And you have to move, you have to be in the physicality and you have to confront the like the present moment with an animal that's that large. It's sort of, I always say, having had my own experiences with plant medicine ceremonies, it goes to the same place as, as plant medicine does just through a different doorway. Like plant mm-hmm. medicine, you ingest something that shifts your perspective just enough to be able to see the world mm-hmm. in a new way mm-hmm. and see with different eyes. And being with a horse requires so much presence for, from you because of their size, because of their potential lethality that that it requires us to step forward into presence and it shifts our perspective just enough to be able to see through another set of different eyes. Mm-hmm. And it requires us to be in the body. It requires us to really check in and be present in here. And so I'm very much in, bought in with you about these embodiment practices as a source of empowerment, as a source of finding more of ourselves, reclaiming wholeness as a way of of confronting the limitations that we have internalized from our culture mm-hmm. and the control mechanisms we've in the shame and all of that so that we can explore new ways of doing it. And the nice thing about working with a horse is that a horse is going to give you real time feedback on, on your 
you get both the inner work and you get to see the external impact that because mm-hmm. they don't they don't live in stories like we do as humans they're they're just responding to what they feel and they just move through it and so there are so many different modalities of embodiment practice but i think what we're pointing to is is that however you get there find the one that matches you not everybody wants to take psych- uh, psychedelics not everybody feels comfortable with that not everybody wants to that can work with a horse because of uh, allergies some people but some people can do breath work. Some people can do the work that you do in your community. So it's like finding those embodiment practices that help you reclaim your wholeness, become a battery for your own creative sense rather yes, than just a yes. battery for the creation of others. Um, one of the things I really wanted to call out was part of the exercise that we did when I was in your group that was really powerful for me and I uh, unexpectedly. So we had done a few of the embodiment exercises and one of the towards the end ones was around connecting with another man. So we were on zoom and we were um, pinned each other so we could only see each other. And you gave us instruction to look at each other's left eye and previous, as you were setting it up, my brain went straight to, Oh God, I have to verbally explain to this person what's coming up for me and what's going on. I started to feel vulnerable. I thought I was gonna have to talk through. I noticed myself go into how do I frame a story for him so that he'll accept me, that he'll like me that so that I don't get rejected. I watched it all coming up in me. I was like, Whoa. And then when you said it was going to be nonverbal, everything in me relaxed. And I was like, Oh, good. And yet staring into a stranger's eyes who I've never met. And I've heard him talk one sentence about what something that's going on in his life. What is intimate? It's scary. It's a lot. And it was a, a, a sustained amount of time. It wasn't just 30 seconds. It was being with each other. And I loved the encouragement to without words, pour out and share what you've been through to share what you have experienced the heartaches, the the challenges, the stress to to still be in the process of sharing with another man, but from a nonverbal place, and then to also be able to have time to receive that from someone else. I found that to be a really powerful exercise. Can you talk a little bit more about why you do that? Because I know mm-hmm. it benefited me for sure. Yeah, yeah, I love partner practice. I, partner practice uh immediately uh brings us into our own uh, brings us into confrontations around uh layers of protection mm-hmm. um because oh, I saw mine <laughs> yeah immediately right so like it like rises up as a defense and and as it rises up uh then then you know your work would be to begin to soften that mm-hmm. like learning how to soften this this reaction of protectionism that you know, men are so used to stuffing and putting away and hiding. So that muscle's gotten really strong. So we work the other side of the muscle in this space. We work on revealing, allowing, staying open, staying present, staying in our breath. Because what happens when like you stop, I mean, you're not going to stop, stop breathing because your body will eventually breathe on its own. But a lot of men, energies rise. They hold the breath and what happens? They move into thought. Mm-hmm. Now you've lost connection. Mm-hmm. So I'm also teaching them how to speak and share without words, mm. how to stay open, how to consciously use the breath to stay open. So we're working a muscle that later on you'll be in a conversation with a man or with a woman that is maybe somewhat confronting and boom, there you are working that muscle again. 
Mm-hmm. You're not doing that thing like I'm going to give you a package that you can digest. That's internalized misogyny that is feeding the old paradigm of patriarchy. And we are done with that. Yeah. We are done with that. So um, men are becoming more emotionally available yet grounded in presence. Right. And they're speaking and sharing their truth, not for the sake of the other person, but for the sake of their own access and development. And as a result, they are starting to get a nutrient into their bodies that they may never have gotten. The love and attention and witnessing of a powerful, open-hearted man that doesn't want anything in return. Mind-blowing. Super mind-blowing. Right? It's like drinking the nectar for the first time. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, to let go and to just like, you know, our society perpetuates this competitiveness, this get-one-overness, this ego-drivenness right this this bullshit of chasing this quote unquote american dream by turning us into fucking batteries mm. of consumption mm. and along the way men are just working from sun up to sundown 24 hours like su- they're just connected to money and they're just missing subtle nutrients of like letting their guard down Breathing with another man, right? And and letting themselves really be seen. Mm. Like, do you know how lonely, like men are lonely because they don't reveal the true essence of what they're holding to anyone. Mm-hmm. So we create these practices with the intention and and there's different intentions. Sometimes it's about the heart connect. So when I work with men, I run them through a gamut of different uh, experiences. Maybe that night that you were there, we didn't go into the, into the warrior, Mm. but sometimes I'll turn up the heat and I'll invoke that out of, out, out, out of the men. And for some, it'll be more confronting than others, but that's fine because once you've tasted your own power, now you got a pathway, mm-hmm. right? So we, in practice, if I'm invoking this energy through your body, suddenly you're aware of your own power. Maybe the next time you would have kept your mouth shut when somebody said something that was uh, like that needed to be addressed. Maybe this time you'll say something. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe that part of you will come out. Maybe it'll come out a little messy and a little too loud at first. Usually it does the first couple of times. First couple of times, right? <laughs> like, um, you know, the barista that didn't get your coffee, right? You're like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> here's the warrior. <laughs> You're starting to, to gain access points mm. in practice. And it, it naturally will start to it, uh, show itself in life. I think one of the key things I'm hearing in all of this that I completely agree with is sort of our relationship to power as men. And oftentimes I'm we the misogynistic culture teaches that men are the ones that are have the power. Um, women don't or feminine beings don't. My goal is to help decouple masculinity and power. And power is something that is shared that belongs to all. But there's this 
reclamation of power in its divine form rather than in these externalized forms that we've given credit like money is one of those things that our capitalist western culture has given power to money and so people are chasing that because they feel so disempowered in their life that they feel like they're going to get power this way and i know a lot of wealthy people that are absolutely miserable <laughs> and i'm not sure that's the solution now i'm not saying that we that we can't enjoy financial freedom, that we can't um, enjoy stepping in as men into the provider role when we want to. But that doesn't mean that that's all our worth and value is. And I think that so many men are chasing that because they that's what our society has told them is power. And yet we're giving you, me, other men's work communities are giving access to a reclamation of a different kind of power, a divine power that's innate, that's intrinsic, that shares that that is belongs to all that sh that that it's not power over it's power with others yes. um there's this like redefinition of our relationship to power and what are sources of power that you're talking about well i think you're hitting it right on the head here so um men come in to men's work or i'll just speak for our community and they may have come in having abused power. Mm -hmm. So there's that to deal with. They may have come in being abused by power. They may have come in simply afraid of holding power because in the unconscious or conscious collective, Power equals abuse for masculinity. Yeah, that's not, that's the kind of guy I am. That's, I was okay. like divorcing myself from power because, woo, I don't like how it's being used. I'm not going to be that kind of guy. Right. So you're you're that that needs to also be worked on because mm -hmm. the world needs you mm -hmm. in your power. Yeah. In alignment to something greater than you. There is a role that Travis Stock is called to play, that his soul knows that he needs to complete before he's done. And that mm -hmm. is greater than himself. So it's not mm -hmm. about you. And through the initiation process, men wake up to this, whether it is simply becoming a better friend or a family, like a better husband or a better brother or a leader of a community, whatever that calling is, is to become aware of what that is and that and and it is it is always in something greater than you mm -hmm. at play right mm -hmm. so and that requires you to have access to power i wield and with power comes responsibility right with power comes deep responsibility so we learn how to uh, yield power in service to something greater Right. But first, we need to know what it feels like. Yeah. <laughs> right. And we tried that version of abdicating power in the 60s by turning men into Alan Alda. I don't know if you know who Alan Alda is. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, so that doesn't work either because you can't wish away tens of thousands of years of environmental. Uh, impact on the masculine psyche by simply pretending to not have the warrior archetype running through your body. Mm -hmm. Now you can disconnect it, but what happens when you do that? Comes out in shadow. Comes out in shadow. 
You're going to hurt yourself or you're going to hurt somebody else to find the expression of that power unconsciously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're seeing that in our culture all over the place. There's like an uh, epidemic of um, men's mental health issues, suicide rates are, w- are skyrocketing people. And and you talked about that loneliness thing. That is, so, they're the, so, we're so lonely as men. We're so disconnected from intimacy and belonging to something because we've spent our whole lives trying to individuate and claim power through these external sources. And so I completely agree with you that there is an, a, a reclamation and a taking back power in ways that are uh, that can be about self and the collective that can be connected to something higher than ourselves that isn't about ego driven, I need to prove myself as a worthwhile being that it can be connected to something bigger. So thank you for that invitation for all of us as men. Absolutely. And I think one other piece that we have to really bring to the forefront uh, of the discussion is that there needs to be a reconciliation with our feminine counterparts. Mm -hmm. There needs to be a reconciliation uh, with our feminine counterparts because they, they have been trampled on, right? And uh, used and abused in a myriad of ways uh, in the name of men getting their quote unquote needs met Mm -hmm. through the prism of this patriarchal system. So, there was a time when women's power. Now, let's take a look at the. the uh, oh, oh, a woman has the power to express and generate and create life through her own physical body. So she is this incredible vessel, right? That is incredibly in tune to the natural world. And our disconnect from nature, thinking just because we kind of extracted ourselves from the uh, predator prey and mm-hmm. we started to like create factories for our food. And just because we, this separation also gave us this permission to abuse women because women are intrinsically um, a, <laughs> a species that is deeply connected. And for us to not recognize, the power of not just the feminine, but women, right, as beings. And and we have to, the same way, like this country was built on genocide. Like you're not going to get anywhere until healing takes place on addressing such issues. Now, how we make restitution and reconciliation is a different conversation. But look at, Look at my country, like I'm, I'm from Iran and, and for the past year, like a revolution being led by women mm. in the face of a hypocritical, tyrannical uh, uh, regime that has no problem killing its own children. Um, you know, there's incredible courage. And I believe in men's work, we have to find a way to work in reconciling with uh, with women, mm. <laughs> you know? And uh, so that's just personally, it, it could be because I, you know, I, I have just, a, I have four daughters. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, I grew up seeing, you know, um, you know, my mother who was physically abused by her husband. So I have a very soft spot in this space around um, 
elevating and empowering women. I have chills listening to you talk about that. And I just so appreciate the calling us all in and calling us to action around this piece because it's a uh, sensitive and sensitive topic in our culture right now. And there's a lot of polarization around that. And there's a lot of people that feel like in order to do that process that you're inviting us into, that it, it means giving away power or that it means giving away of self and, and people are fighting back against that. And I really appreciate you bringing both your sort of country of origins perspective and what that, what that your culture has learned from there, what we're working on as a culture in the United States around uh, racial inequities, what we're working on around gender inequities and the harm that's been done over time. And I am so grateful that your version of men's work recognizes that and, 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 and puts that at the forefront that this is a requirement as we evolve the masculine, as we step into more whole beings, as we connect to truer sense of powers, that we can't do that without recognizing the harm that's been created. And even if the harm wasn't directly created by me, it still exists and it's still my responsibility to pr participate in the repair, to, yeah. to participate in the healing of all because we can't leave others behind as we move forward into more wholeness. Yeah, and that's really beautifully said. And, you know, um, that's why I equally bring feminine embodiment practices and as masculine embodiment practices, because that inner, that healing that has to happen, that confrontation with meeting parts of our unexpressed self has to come, come to fruition within. And once it starts to flower within, then our perspective on the feminine externally begins to change our reverence for that begins to change our holiness on how we interact with with that begins to change so it always starts by going in mm -hmm. especially in an environment today where you can't even tell what the truth is anymore it's just like there's just the noise is so deafening it's so the, deafening the only way to, the only place we're left and this may be a blessing mm -hmm is to close our eyes and turn inward and go inward. Yeah, I totally agree. So you offer um, weekly men's circles and men's embodiment circles. What other um, offerings do you have out there that people could be finding if they're interested in exploring working with you? What other offerings do you have out there? So I, uh, I run uh, a couple of uh, uh, retreats a year, uh, public retreats. Um, uh, I run a uh, four-month initiation, which is that deep dive of introspection I was talking about that culminates into uh, a retreat somewhere deep in nature. So the next session for the MIIR program is in January. And at the end of April, we're going to be going to the Sacred Valley in Peru for a retreat for that mm -hmm. one. I run a facilitator training program for men who um, hold space, uh, transpersonal space, uh, or they want a whole transpersonal space for that's conducive to healing and empowerment. And that's currently running That's a six month program that culminates into a retreat. Um, and we have our Wednesday night gatherings, uh, which is a staple every Wednesday for the past four years, we meet online men from all around the world come and we fall into practice and we share and I work privately with clients. So that's, mm. those are the different, uh, ways that I uh, push my work into the world. Beautiful. Yeah, you had mentioned that you do feminine embodiment circles. 
I heard I, you talk. Oh, I don't. I don't hold feminine embodiment circles. I uh, hold feminine embodiment practices for men. Okay, but that's my what wa- I wanted to clarify. But yeah, but my wife holds um, uh, uh, sacred circles for women through okay, way, of, way of the elements. Way of the elements dot com is her platform. Got it. Okay, great. That's beautiful. That's what I wanted to clarify. So if people wanted to sign up for one of these things, want to find out more about you, how do they go about that finding you out there in the world? I appreciate that. Thank you. So I, I guess a good, really good place to start would be embodiedmasculine.com and uh, hover, uh, hover over offerings and just check out our different offerings and maybe learn about uh, our lineage and story of the creation of Embodied Masculine. You're welcome to follow me on Instagram. I, I I'm, I have a kind of a love hate relationship with it, uh, with Instagram, I, you know, so, but I do post once in a while and, and, uh, and, and I try to uh, post thoughtful uh, content, but uh, yeah, I think embodiedmasculine.com would be a good starting place. Okay, great. I'll make sure some of those links are in the, in the show notes so that people can find that and connect with you. I've had just like the best time talking with you and experiencing your work. I'm so appreciative that we got to meet and that we got to have this conversation. We are so in agreement on so many things that I feel so much kinship with you. And I just mm-hmm. appreciate appreciate you willing to take the time to talk to my community and to share the work that you're doing um, with the world, because I just think so much of what you're saying is so important and so true. So thanks for joining me. It's been my pleasure, Travis. Thank you so much for the invitation. Yeah, you're so welcome. If people want to get in connection with me, you go to my website at travisstock.com. You can also follow me on Instagram, although I also have a tentative relationship with Instagram and don't post all the time. But you can find me there. And I do try to keep the ongoing conversations of the new masculine on there so that if you're something is resonating from this episode, and you want to talk about it, come to Instagram. Um, I'm at, at Trevor03. If you also love the mission of this podcast and want to become a supporter, I'm on Patreon at patreon.com slash the new masculine. Thank you so much, Amir, for joining me. And until our next episode.